everyone. Welcome to Point Streak, a podcast where we talk everything gaming and the issues that concern gamers. We're all members and contributors at Enthusiacs.com, and thank you once again for joining us. You can follow us on Twitter, at Enthusiacs, or check out our YouTube channel, Enthusiacs, where all our video content resides. I'm your host, Jeff, or Baron Fang, and today I am joined by Tony. How are you? Hey, good. And uh, fittingly enough, by G-Man, uh, and, we'll get, and we will get to why that's fitting in a moment. How are you? Uh, well enough. Uh, it's a bit chilly over here, though. <laughs> uh let's uh let's get to what everyone's been playing lately how about you tony i sadly have not been playing a whole lot um i did recently um re-download the um the orange box and for reasons we'll get to in just a moment <laughs> uh to play half-life 2 and uh i haven't played much of it i just wanted to go through the opening levels um and i uh, did actually just re-download again fallout 4 um, just go back for some achievements in that, but I really haven't spent much time in either. Hmm. Near, I thought you were going to start talking about more of these mobile games. That uh, it seems like every time you go off the <laughs> gaming for a while, you get back into it by playing copious mobile <laughs> games. Well, you know, the funny thing—I just don't mention it normally when we play this, but I mean, <laughs> I, I have my, my daily logins that I do for my mobile and uh, 3DS games. I just don't typically <laughs> mention those. It's more or less like five minutes a day. It's not much. <sighs> Uh, how about you, G-Man? <laughs> um, I recently just came off work, so it's been two games for me, neither of which are new. It's been Rome Attila, because I've been listening to um, a Rome podcast, and I was like, you know what, I could do a better job of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In my uh, supreme arrogance. And uh, Warframe, which is my perennial I'm bored give me something to do game yeah i've been uh, some new contents dragged me back into warframe recently and i've also gotten back into uh lone survivor uh which i had i'd actually not picked up believe it or not since the i think the start of 2013 i, <laughs> I installed it and uh, sort of forgot about it uh got busy and and forgot it was there so i'm gonna give it another good go um well, let's get to the topic at hand, and uh, you know the reason that G-Man's here in particular is we're going to talk about the Half-Life series. Um, probably overdue to talk about this one, but some recent news, uh, disappointing slash unsettling news, depending on your <laughs> viewpoint of things, has sort of brought the series back into the spotlight, and uh, I, I think it was one we were always going to get around to. Um just to give some uh, background, given that uh, you two are obviously a lot younger than I am and, and wouldn't probably wouldn't remember this, uh, um, back in pre-1998 uh, and pre-1998, um, lead up to when Half-Life, the original Half-Life came out, um, it, it's, you know, there were plenty of first-person shooters, but there weren't really any of what I would consider to be proper story-driven FPSs. Now, these days, that's just the norm. Even your annual military shooters do manage to uh, actually um, forward the story quite a lot in an FPS mode. That used to be quite unusual. Um, Half-Life was a revelation for a lot of reasons. I I think the only game I'd ever played prior to it that I would have considered story-driven FPS was Shogo Mobile Armor Division, which came out the same year. Half-Life, the the game happens in real time as you experience it. There are no cutscenes. There is really no uh, 
breaks between chapters you you, you literally see a you know a chapter name pop up on the screen as you've come to a new area it's seamless uh there's no um th there's no sections of narration etc etc it's all very very much centered in fps and of course as anyone who's played the game knows uh, or any of the subsequent games knows it's very much about the silent narrator and it's a silent protagonist and it sort of set a fashion for a while um i don't know that it's ever completely gone away but for for a time that was considered to be sort of the the, the standard assumption for FPSs is that uh, the silent protagonist and, and Half-Life and a lot of its conventions help sort of set that in, in motion. Um, it's, I think it's also the first FPS I ever played that had anything considered as a scripted sequence in it as well. Uh, prior to that, AI and things that you encounter on the map would have been, you know, anyone who's played Doom, basically. The, the, enemy, the enemies roam around and w when you detect one another, you start shooting. Half-Life sort of raised the bar in, in terms of expectations for, for what could happen in FPS. So uh, anyone playing games in the lead-up to the end of 1998, uh, back in the day when they were getting discs from a store, might have had occasion to come across marketing material and hype for Half-Life. I didn't really know what to expect when I played it, but I ended up getting it Christmas that year. And needless to say, I was pretty impressed. Um, you know, everyone's played FPSs this day, and I don't know that everyone quite realizes how influential and how much of a game player uh, game changer this series was I, I might start by asking where everyone started with this for myself it was as i said you know way back in 98 with the first game uh, tony what would have your introduction uh, have been to have the half-life slash portal universe you know, with two things I got to point out here real quickly. One, um, as a little sidebar, I always love how you bring up the uh, the marketing for all this because I, for the life of me, some of these older franchises, I cannot remember like how I even heard of some of these games, like Mass Effect, the original one. Yeah. Half Life, I I have no idea how I heard about these games, but but anyway. Yeah. Um. Uh, the original one, if it came out in '98, that must mean I was nine years old. When I, if I first heard it, when I got it, and it doesn't, that doesn't seem right, honestly. I feel like I was a lot older, but anyway, I must have been at least ten mm. if I maybe waited a year to get it. But uh, yeah, I originally picked it up on the original Xbox. Oh wow! Um, okay. Yeah, it was on there, and I completely forgot it. Or you know what? It may have been the no, no, no. It may have been the PlayStation Two. It, it was. Um, I, I seem to recall it being ported a few years later, so it it might have been after 1998 i don't remember exactly when all those ports landed but it's been ported right. to just about everything imaginable i think it actually was the ps2 and i think i actually for some reason or the other picked it up when i had a, an xbox a few years later um mm -hmm. but yeah that, that i i picked up the original game if definitely not at launch but i think soon thereafter yep uh 2001 was the launch on playstation 2 but just just uh i just noticed it here on the list of, oh, <laughs> of okay. launches yeah um, so yeah, you started with the first game, um, and uh, also while I'm asking, how many how many of them have you played? And we can go through the list here. You know, the original Half Life, Opposing Force, and Blue Shift, which were the two uh, official expansions. Even if it's debatable whether they're canonical, you've got Half Life Two, of course. It's episodes one and two, and then Portal one and two. Have you pretty much played them all, or? 
played them all except for uh, the expansions to the original. I think they actually did release those on console. I just I never picked them up for whatever reason. I thought they were in the orange box, but maybe you guys could fill me in later on the, exactly what the orange box the orange, is. <laughs> the, the orange box has uh, Half-Life 2 and Episodes 1 and 2. So that's how I played uh, those. I see, I see. The original expansions, like the, the orange box doesn't have the original Half-Life, which is kind of, yeah. you know, that's that's what I really want to do. When I downloaded um, the orange box, I really wanted to play the original, but I don't think it's... Uh, backwards compatible on xbox so i I didn't have a choice i really that's what i wanted to do was play the first one well Um, i I can tell you when when you got the special edition of half-life 2 it came with half-life source which is essentially the first game rendered in the new engine so right it was a it was basically the first game on pc just with the updated engine now it didn't really change the look much other than just the the graphics were, were bumped up a little bit in terms of the uh um, fidelity. fidelity, but uh, yeah, the physics and everything were the same. It wasn't the new physics engine. Where? What's your starting point on the series, G-Man? <clears throat> um, two two places really. <laughs> uh, I remember purchasing the orange box uh, on the PC and trying to use play that and realizing <laughs> my PC could not handle it. <laughs> and then several years later, um, picking it up uh, for the Xbox 360. Trying out Half-Life 2, very much enjoying it. Uh, same with Portal, and uh, from there I've always enjoyed the Half-Life series and all the various games set in the Source engine. Did you go back and play the original Half-Life uh, after experiencing 2? Uh, no, but I did watch uh, playthroughs, and um, there's always Freeman, Freeman's Mind. Yes, which which, uh, which you've explained to me before is uh, is someone narrating Gordon's experience uh, <laughs> in his own yeah. head as he plays the game, which I find yeah. hilar- and a hilarious subversion of that whole silent protagonist thing. Well, um, I mean, look, uh, you guys have played FPSs as, as well as I have. Uh, I'm when you when you first played the game was it did you realize you were playing something that had had such an influence on the genre generally or or was it just another i mean i'll start with you tony was it just another fps for you or did you realize that this was something different when you played it i was i think i was too young to be considering all this (laughs) (laughs) for anything i think what really grabbed me and this is probably again not related to the story so much um is just the challenge of it i think like Mm. you know I don't think I'd actually played many first-person shooters because, depending, well, if the the console releases came out in 2001, I may have picked it up even later than if you know, because I would have been all about Halo when that first came out in 2001. <laughs> um, so yeah. maybe it was a little bit later, but anyway, yeah, it wasn't. I was I was interested in why everything was happening. I remember playing that and you know wanting to see it through, but it was more of, honestly the challenge that really hooked me on it, um, yeah. and some of the, the puzzle aspects of it. It was uh, really great in terms of um, the squad mechanics of the enemies. Uh, Prior to that, I don't really remember playing an FPS where the enemies coordinated in any sort of way. Like you, there were sections when you first encountered the 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 Marines where you could actually hear them communicating with one another about you know go 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 and stuff like that. That back in the day, that just never happened in FPSs. There there wasn't even there was there wasn't even any any sort of uh, attempt to make it seem like they were <laughs> they were cooperating with another it was just basically ai bots being thrown at you uh r- randomly so yeah yeah and, and then the aliens you know added a whole different uh aspect of it you know um when i tried to explain half-life to jen the first time i think i oversold the horror elements but you know the more i think about it it is it, it, it you know it's obviously sci-fi heavy but 
it does have some pretty strong horror elements to it, doesn't it? I mean, I, I certainly jumped more than a few times when, uh, you know, crab zombies knock the walls down in front of me. It's, uh, it, it, I, I think it, for me, it was the immersion that really got me, you know, the, the fact that the, the game never took you out of the first person experience. Um, I mean, Tony, you played it at a, pre, at a pretty young age. Did you, did you find it, uh, pretty intense, uh, either on the monster side or the combat side? I, you know, I think I was honestly too, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Desensitized? You know, <laughs> desensitized from Resident Evil years <laughs> before and like all these other games. So honestly, again, no, it wasn't, again, it was the, the, I was interested in the original story and getting through it and seeing it to the end. Um, I don't remember there being that many, you know, horror aspects of it. I mean, the, definitely the headcrafts are probably one of the scarier things in that game. Yeah. Um, but again, really, it, it was more of like the the challenge of it. Um, mm. I can definitely speak to the immersion. I guess that, that definitely you know, helps, you know, push me through the game, not just put it down at one point and just be like, oh, this is just another first person shooter. Like you said, it it definitely did have more to it. I just don't think I understood at the time yeah. why it, it was just a fun game for me. It was again, it was a challenge. I don't think again, it wasn't until years later that I really understood what it had done for not, you know, not only the 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 genre, but the, the industry as a whole. Yeah. Um, a quick, quick mention of uh, opposing force and blue shift. So. I don't. I don't think technically either of them are canon. I mean, other than uh, Bi- no, they have been rendered non-canon. Yeah. They they were very typical of the time. It's just expansion packs, you know. Remember those kitties? <laughs> uh, you, you know, yeah. you needed to own the full game to play them, and they basically told another story using the same engine um, that ran. I think more or less concurrently with the action of the other games. In fact, I seem to remember Blue Shift being particularly clever in that they were that you could tell that you were sort of passing in Gordon's wake. Um, I seem to remember Opposing Force. I, I could be misremembering this, but I swear there's a, bar, a part in Opposing Force where the character you're um, controlling actually sees uh, Gordon jump into a rift to go through to Zen, <laughs> which is kind of a neat uh, tie-in. Um, now the the whole you know Zen alien and and G man uh, storyline sort of intersect with those two as well in interesting ways, but they were basically just more of the same. And given that uh, given that you know Gordon was a scientist who you know throw the throws the HEV suit on and throw an automatic weapon into his hand and he sort of becomes a superhuman killing machine uh it was a little easier to believe when you were playing a marine and opposing force when you're playing a security guard in uh, blue shift it sort of lost me but uh, look that uh, blue shift was a game that you could beat in about an hour and a half or or less if, if you really ran through it quickly but um they they were they were okay i i was sort of a com- i i enjoyed the series so much that i was sort of a completist and i i was always going to get them but uh, and, you know, bear in mind that was back in the days of the inspa- expansion packs, where you were you were expecting to get a certain amount of value out of them. You know, with today's DLC mindset, you really never know what you were going to get back then. Um, you know, companies that you trusted, you, you'd happily pick up an expansion pack and give it a go because, you know, why not? By the way, Gearbox were responsible for right. <laughs> opposing force, yep. which is interesting. I don't know about YouTube, but that's the first time that I ever encountered that name. Uh, and, and years later, I had sort of forgotten that they were <laughs> involved. But uh, uh, no, uh, you know, not hard to understand uh, where, where they cut their teeth uh, on a, a relatively good game like that. Um, so, you know, Half-Life, Half-Life Episode 1, um, 
ends in a very interesting way, as as you're both aware, where uh, after Gordon saves the universe, so to speak, you get, uh, I don't know, is it put into suspended animation? Would that be the best way to put it, G-Man? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't quite... Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, you, get, you seem to get shunted into a different dimension and yeah. put to sleep for 20 or 30 years. Yeah, and I, yeah, I, I think it's fair to say that at least 20 or 30 years have passed by the time the second game comes around during which a paradigm shift in terms of the physics engine, I think that's the debut of the Source engine, if I understand correctly, is, is Half-Life 2. Yes. Uh, yep. The world of Half-Life has has jumped ahead from the uh, the Black Mesa incident that happens in the first game seems to have had some repercussions, and uh, aliens seem to have taken over. Um, well, Half-Life 2, really, you really never see much beyond one vaguely Eastern European-looking city and the area around it. So who's to say what the rest of the world looks like? But needless to say that there are aliens and, and things have changed. Um, Half-Life 2 was um, what was for me you know, a game that I had waited for a long time. Uh, and it was another... Much like you, G-Man, I got it. And right away I was like, I don't know if I can play this. <laughs> I don't know if my computer can handle this. Uh, like... Well, it was a struggle just to download it at first. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, and then play it. Yeah. Well, I, I might check with you, Tony. I, I assume that you, Half-Life 2 as well, you also uh, went the console route with that one? Yeah, and I, uh, I'm i trying to remember, because I, I do believe they did release that on its own, and then mm-hmm. they came out with Orange Box years later, yeah, right? Yeah. I, yeah, so I think I picked up just the original copy around when it first came out yeah um and then obviously picked up the orange box for the uh you know the other games and then the other episodes yeah yeah and um i mean that that new engine was something else um although i i have noticed something this is something a, a mutual friend of ours brought up that i that i read into a little bit i didn't realize at the time back in 2004 2005 when i was playing the game quite a lot but i've noticed now looking back um Half-Life 2, in a lot of ways, seems to be half a game and half a giant sales tool for the Source engine. There are a lot of sequences and things that happen in the game that seem like a glorified way of the developers showing off how capable the engine is. And (laughs) I'm sure back in 2004, 2005, people wouldn't have noticed as much. But when I look back at the game now and when I play it now, I do get a lot of hey, this is just them showing off what they can do with the gravity, and this is just them showing off what they can do yeah. with the water effects, etc. And, and physics, yeah. That, yeah. that uh, physics puzzle towards the beginning of the game will always stick in my mind, where you got to put the uh, cinder blocks on the, um, yeah. the teeter-totter. Yeah, and then, and then later on, you know, barrels into the cages to get the... Uh, the, the the, the ramps for the 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 water boat water boat jet boat or whatever yep. to, uh, to mm. like it's something that was definitely new for FPSs and uh, you know have become you know pretty normal for for some and you know you, you can you can you can recognize some of that Portal Two stuff uh, th- there as well later on but um, I don't know I I still enjoy the game when I go back and look at it but it is kind of impossible for me not to notice now how much of that there is going on. Uh, not to say that it takes away from the game greatly, but I, I can't say that I can look back and say that all the gameplay of two holds up all these many years later, because so much of it is sort of predicated on, okay, this section is about showing you how to use this. And this section is about that. Um, 
Now, I, yeah. I do like the way, and I, I'm sure you two noticed as well, that they took some of the elements of the first game and just expanded on it. I mean, obviously, you've still got your head crabs and your crab zombies and all that. But, I mean, what... Did I mean Tony? For you, you you obviously had quite a gap between playing the, the the two series. Did it feel like? For I can tell you, as someone who waited from '98 through to 2004, 2005, it did it did feel like a huge paradigm shift. Did it feel like that to you, as somebody who played the game in a in a less uh, uh, in a less organic way, who just sort of jumped from one to the next? Does it does it feel to you like a generational shift has uh, occurred there between the two games? I mean, it it does, but I guess maybe not in the way that you thought of it then or think of it now or even how i think of it it was i it was definitely obviously a you know a, a new generational game mm. you know it was obviously coming out uh, actually no did the original half-life 2 come out on ps2 originally because uh i don't think so i, I don't think it came out on the think so out on the on or maybe 360 or maybe Maybe that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, Half-Life 2 is the next generation. It was 360, PlayStation 3, uh, and, and Windows. So, yeah. Right. So, yeah, it was. I, I definitely saw it in that aspect. Obviously, again, the graphics fidelity and everything like that. But to me, it was just kind of... It, I remember when I was first playing, it was more of the same. But it was, again, it was fun. That's what I've always liked about the series. It was engaging. I had no idea what the hell was going on in that story. I could not, I could not keep up with it when I first played it. Um but again, it, it was just how fun it was that, you know, carried me through it and that I wanted to understand what was going on. I just really struggled to f- figure out what the hell was going on. Yeah, um, but I, yeah I'm with you there. <laughs> was, I, as far as, I guess, like a paradigm, like you say, I don't think so. In the way that you're describing it, no. Um, I didn't. But again, that might have been just due to my age and not really as invested in the industry as a whole and kind of looking for certain aspects of a game or, you know, analyzing them as much as I do today. Yeah. Well, I can tell you that for myself, I I eventually went off first-person shooters in in the interim, and Half Life sort of brought Half Life Two sort of brought me back, um, just because you know I I knew I was always going to play Half Life Two from the moment it was announced, but in the meantime, it wasn't like I was a huge first-person shooter aficionado, so. Um, for, for me, yeah, I guess you're right. Having not <laughs> really, uh, played around in the genre that much, it, it must've felt like even more so. So, uh, so G-Man, you, you played Half-Life 2 originally on the 360, is that right? Uh, tried to play it on the PC, then played it on the 360. Uh, I see. Have you since played it on the, on the PC? <laughs> yes, yes, I have since gone through, um, uh, playing it on my more stronger PCs and, yeah. uh, I think the biggest difference, it's got to be the physics. I, I yeah. can see your point when you say that a lot of it is showing off the Source engine and especially the physics engine, which in retrospect is, you know, uh, amazing Yeah. and stuff. But it wasn't something I noticed and picked, until I picked up picked it, picked it up again a couple of years later. And I was like, oh, wow, this is actually really impressive. Like, this is acting how I would expect it to act in real life. Yeah. Yeah, there's of course a, there's a lot of games even these days that don't do as good a job of of having that level of realism. Of course, it's somewhat tedious now. The, the puzzles are somewhat tedious. It is because because yeah. it's no longer new and amazing. They're just yeah. I, it it does make me think. You know, what would the runtime of Half Life Two be if it wasn't for the puzzles? <laughs> you know, there's actually yeah. quite a lot. I mean, think of how many times you have to get off the jet boat. You know, move dams around and doors, <laughs> you know, get attacked by a helicopter, get back on another scripted sequence, so on and so forth. Um, yeah, no, I, and, you know, 
talking about Half-Life 2 on PC, a lot of people don't remember this, but uh, it must have been a year or two after the original release. It could have even been longer. They actually released a free demo called Half-Life Lost Coast. And essentially what it was was an upgrade to the visuals. And it was a significant upgrade to the visuals. And needless to say, when you look at Half-Life 2 pre and post that update, it's again a whole nother jump in in the I graphics. See a difference. Yeah, I, I mean when you when you crank up Half Life Two on a computer today compared to what it looked like for me back in two thousand five when I had to play it on low settings to get the damn thing to work. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of detail and a lot of work there that, uh, particularly in the dark light elements and and how it handled uh, Raven Home and or what was the zombie section called Raven Home? Yeah, right. I almost said Ravenloft. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we don't go to Raven Home. <laughs> exactly. Um, now, Half Life um, Half Life went a different route when it came to uh, DLC. It's uh, Half Life Two, I should say, took a different route. And again, uh, in terms of innovation, when I when I think back and when I think back about the articles that are being written of it, and then I think about gaming today, Half Life Two is the first game I ever played with episodic content. Isn't that funny today to sit here and say that? And it's even funnier when you consider that in terms of episodic content, it was a complete failure. It actually yeah. it ended up being a, a complete failure. Uh, it didn't sell as well, and they never met any of their timelines. And, of course, we all know what happens to episode two. Actually, well, let, let's talk about how confusing it was in the first place. So you got Half-Life 2, and then you got Half-Life yeah. 2 Episode 1. <laughs> Yeah. How does that make any sense? <laughs> and then you got Half-Life 2 and Episode 2. And by, and by the way, for people who haven't played played it, Episode 1 and 2 take place after the full game. They are continuations almost to the minute of the end of Half-Life 2 of the storyline. Half Episode 2 ta- picking up right after Episode 1. Yeah. Episode 3 was quite a far ways along in development. I can remember reading uh, years and years ago about how, oh, it's been delayed a little bit, and oh, it might come out here, and oh, it looks to have been oh, pushed out. I've seen, there was like concept art coming oh, yeah. out. And yeah. I remember sitting there four years later thinking, is this thing ever going to come out? And then eventually I just sort of accepted it, it wasn't going to happen. And, and yeah. I can't actually remember when they said it was dead, but at some point it just sort of became assumed in the community that, well, they'll just do another game at some point, and we'll get to that. Believe me, we'll get to that. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, yeah, it, it's just funny to think of it, that that was sort of the first, to my knowledge, I, there, I could be wrong, there could have been other episodic games out there, but as far as a big budget release that people knew about, that's the first time I ever came across episodic content. And now we see it all the time. The Telltale games, friggin' hit, isn't the like the latest Hitman was completely episodic? In fact, I think it, it's, when it, it's still when it going. Originally released. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It's it's something that it it seems to work now and now people have problems with it. I'm among those people. I I don't know about you two, but I find it really difficult to play games episodically when I have to wait for the next iteration. I don't mind playing them episodically when I have all five of them in the can. Uh, you know, in our in our Netflix yes. sort of culture, uh, I, I'm like a lot of people. I just have a lot of trouble waiting, but. You know, it's just funny to think of, you know, them back in the late 2000s, mid to late 2000s thinking, oh, yeah, people are going to wait around for a year and a half while we get around to the next one. Like, I think part of the reason, Tony, while we're all so frigging confused about the story is because we we all went back to our lives for like a few years and then had to jump back in and remember where the hell things were with Kleiner and... 
of course, the problem with that is that they operated on Valve time yes. rather than, well, normal time. Exactly, yeah. I mean, just be just be well, happy that Blizzard doesn't use episodic content. They'd be even worse. Well, not yet. They're going to perfect it here soon, I'm sure. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, as far as going back to those, no. the, the episodes, I never even knew about them until the Orange Box. Like, I had no idea there even was a, an episode one and two until... Yeah. The orange box release and I'm, I'm assuming that's why they did it is because people just didn't know but they knew if they said hey we're really releasing it not only with new games but with new content here you go i think the the biggest problem with that though is that you know nobody else has done it that way and you know like telltale doesn't do that now they're either they have their episodic releases when they originally release it and then they'll you know release the full pack when it's when it's done that's right yeah but nobody ever releases a full game and then tax on episodes that are tied to that game nobody yeah. To my knowledge, nobody. Does. Yeah, you're it's, right. It, it, I'm actually, I'm actually off a little bit. It's, it's not only is it episodic content, it's episodic sequel content, <laughs> really. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, you know if if Half Life Two were being released today, it would be real episodes, right? It'd be like the first four hours or whatever, and then later, <laughs> later it come out. So, to be honest, I'm, I'm not terribly sad about the fact that that type of episodic content died. It was, I think, a little too ambitious. When it took as long as it did, it, by the time they got to the last one, graphically, it had been left behind. It had taken so yeah. long for episode yeah. two to come out. And it, if episode three had come out two years later, like they were sort of expecting, it would have looked actually quite dated at that point. Uh, maybe that's one of the reasons they just decided to drop it. I have to assume that that's part of the reason. Um I, I do have to say, one of the things I did like about the, the episodic stuff for Half-Life 2 is that I really love the voice acting. Really great game for yeah. voice acting. It, it, it just... Not that the first game didn't have some pretty decent voice acting, but it was not super important. Um, Half-Life 2 managed to meld the sort of environment stuff where you, you, know, you walk up to somebody in City 17 and hear them with their sob story, uh, walking up to the... You know, listening, overhearing the Overwatch guys... Overwatch, isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, now Overwatch needs something completely different. Um, and then all the main characters like your, you know, your um, Alex and Dr. Kleiner and um, and uh, Dr. Vance and uh, the chick that betrays her at some point, et cetera, et cetera. Really, really quite good voice acting, which carries over to Portal, which, you know, I mean, Portal would not be Portal without the voice acting. Um, but, yeah. but yeah, part of the advantage of the episodes uh, being tacked on is you, you got to see that continuity there as well. And that was really well done. Uh, and the fact that they were able to keep... Uh, there were some pretty... I mean, I think Robert Guillaume was uh, was the voice behind um, Dr. Vance. So, yeah. That yes. right, yeah. yeah. Um, and, of course, um, I, I'm forgetting at least one other notable name. I, I think I think the administrator of City 17, uh, Breen, was, was somebody of note as well. But, yeah, um, pretty good voice acting. And, you, you know, it... Look, I enjoyed one and two. I, I'm with uh, I'm with Chris about the 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 last mission of episode two. I thought that was just just nuts. <laughs> uh, well, it was balls to the wall. But yeah, crazy ball, yeah, exactly, balls to the wall, crazy. Um, I did like uh, I don't know. I I can't say enough good about the d dog. Just such an, an inventive uh, way. I, I I almost wish there were more sequences with dog, and I know they were scripted, but. I've really never seen a, a pseudo companion in a game as interesting as Dog and Alex, and and as different as those two. Uh, mm -hmm. That's something I really have to give to that because I I, don't, I know I'm not the only one who 
will play a game where you've got a companion and they are just a complete thorn in your side. Useless. Can't do shit. Always he, lagging he behind. You, so, <laughs> so you just try and dump dump them in the corner somewhere yeah. and say, like, uh, stay here. I'm going to... I'm gonna sort it out. I'll come back for you later. Exactly, and and you know you'd gone from you know Half Life One where it was a completely solo experience, you know completely alone, to Half Life Two and and the episodes where you know not only are you fighting with rebels some of the times in some neat little scripted sequences, but you know the bits with Dog, and uh, with Alex are actually really really well done and all in game, no cutscenes. You know, I, I think the only time that you lose control of your character is during the sort of fade out sequences at the start of the game. And I think yeah, I think Gordon like gets hit over the head with a crowbar in the first game at one point and gets like uh, dragged away by a couple of Black Ops guys. But it's a very, very short section. The rest of the time you are in control. Um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, needless to say, I wish that episode three had come out because uh, two does end on a. On a down note and a hanger, but uh, we will get to that a bit later. Now, jumping ahead to a a little bit of a tangent, where did you two pick up Portal? Uh, for me, I heard it when it came out. I heard about it when it came out. I got it right away. Loved it. Wasn't quite sure how it fit with Half-Life, but very interesting. What was your introduction to Portal and Portal 2, Tony? Uh, orange box again. <laughs> um, I, I did end up actually, I love the game so much. I actually went out and bought it on its own. Uh, so what Xbox did, they had, um, uh, yes. uh, a game release called portal still alive, which was just the game. And I think it may have had like some kind of additional content to it or like, you know, like time trials or something like that. Um, but okay. I mean, yeah, like I said, I fell in love with the game. I wanted to buy it again, essentially. Um, but yeah, I, I fell in love with that mechanic. Uh, you know, the story was, I was somewhat driven by it, definitely by the uh, the antagonist there, yeah. more so in the second game than the first one. But yeah, I mean, I was I was immediately hooked on that game. Like I I love puzzle games, but at the same time, I'm very very picky on which ones I like. You know, I, I either love them or I hate them, and I just absolutely fell in love with Portal as soon as I picked it up. And then I picked up Portal too as soon as, soon as I could, as soon as that uh, came out. Yeah, it was. It's got to be one of the most interesting game mechanics I've ever seen. Um, damn near flawless, actually. Uh, and it's got yeah. one of the best antagonists of, in any game as well. And that's that's not a bad one-two punch. Um, what was uh, Orange Box for you as well, G-Man? Yeah, uh, it was, well, this was back when I was a kid. Uh, so, you know, for me it was, oh, wow, so five games for the price of <laughs> for one. Of one that yeah. Is, yeah, that's, I'm fucking having that. That yeah. sounds like a great deal. You know, so and. I was kind of disappointed because I think at that point on the Xbox, it was more or less, um, it was, I think the, uh, it never, Team Fortress never kicked off. So it was more like four games for the price of one. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but even so it was very, um, well, it's just amazing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Great voice acting. Um, very interesting, uh, I, I, I hesitate to say the word new, but I, it almost is like it's still a silent protagonist, but a very different silent protagonist than Gordon. You know, <laughs> like you know even less about Chell. You might not even know Chell's your name uh, unless you've really looked into it, to be honest. You just know that, you yep. know, you're the foil for. Um... Oh, God, I've forgotten her name now. <laughs> What's the... GLaDOS. for GLaDOS? Uh, and, you know, you're. 
working for this ridiculous organization called Aperture Science, which you later find out is sort of a rival organization to Black Mesa. And they get into that. I don't know how much of that is revealed in the first portal, but in the second uh, portal game, there it, there's quite a lot more upfront reference to uh, those guys at Black Mesa, quote-unquote. There's a couple of offhand references that didn't really make sense, but there's stuff like Gladys will say, well, where are you going to go? To Black Mesa? Yeah. fat. And it's in the so- uh, yeah, it's in the ending song. Maybe Black Mesa. Haha, <laughs> that was a joke. Fat chance. <laughs> I mean, as you I, might guess, I've listened to that song a lot. I suppose I should mention. I mean, given that these are very different games, um, do you really think there's any? I mean, for, I'll ask you, Tony. Uh, you, having played both and under the same circumstances on consoles, etc. What, did you ever really feel that there was ever, or now for that matter, feel that there is any real connection other than just, like, is is there a connection there beyond just they've shoehorned them into the same universe? Or do you really think there's an end game there in terms of them being connected? So, yes, but two things. One, I did want to point out, um, I actually didn't even know these universes were connected until well after the second game, the second Portal game came out hmm. i had no idea um but it, it makes obviously a ton of sense now yeah um with the physics and everything like that but as far as the how much you believe i guess is what you're getting at is how much do you believe that they're really in the same universe i don't want to jump too much ahead of this because i'm sure we're going to get into it in just a minute but yeah with what was released you know about episode three recently mm-hmm. i think that there could have been some major implications in episode three that could have greatly tie them together but as the games stand now with the existing content no it, it doesn't feel like it but yeah God, there was there was one thing that i read on that week about episode three that my mind went nuts with the you know the possibilities of what could have happened yeah um with a certain segment of gameplay yeah. so again as it stands now no it it i mean it doesn't feel shoehorned but it kind of feels yeah. like it it, it kind of was i mean if you know the story behind how portal was developed it was just it was based on a student game called narbacular drop oh, yeah. and they basically hired gabe newell and the, and the team at uh val basically hired the whole team just part and parcel and they helped develop portal uh where you know the physics concepts and the, the gameplay concepts are essentially the same and then that was developed into the game that we know as portal and then i assume at some point they decided during the development hey we can make these connect we can connect this to half-life in a sort of really obtuse or slight way and then maybe do mm. something with it down the, the line. But yeah, I'm, I'm curious to hear about that. Um, it, it feels like it, it feels like it would have been worthwhile, even if it had been a little Easter egg moment for the player. Um, yeah. So Por- portal one and two, uh, you know, portal one, very short game, you know, but definitely showed you the, the potential of the concept Portal 2 is just that perfect sequel where everything just gets amped up to 10. You know, all the all the concepts and, and new gameplay hooks and, you know, the the using the the liquid and the fluid colors and everything. Um, all those great... Yeah, all, all that great little twists. Um, you, you know, I, I, you could have been forgiven to after playing the first Portal, like you would have been... You could have thought... Well, what else could they do with it? And they really did manage to do st- like some really interesting stuff. Push, they even showed yeah. you, you know, what they even showed you outside of testing chambers in the sort of busted ass behind the scenes world of the real world, what you could do with the portal gun, you know, to survive behind the scenes too, which was was really really cool. And then of course later when you fall into the old 
<laughs> chambers way way down below in purgatory there. yeah for, from the chambers from like the 40s and the 50s yeah, yeah. And, the 60s. and of course as i said about uh voice acting earlier that you know just absolutely brilliant uh amazing voice acting and very very few characters and a you know very lonely experience for much of the game but you you, you just can't you can't forget. <laughs> uh, right. The, yeah, the few characters that they do have are so well-written and so memorable, but there's not one you can say, eh, you know, this game would have been better off without them. I mean, they're they're so integral to them, yeah. you know, especially the second game. Yeah. And I, I would, yeah, I, I just want to echo that you said, you know, Portal 2 is probably the, the perfect sequel. Portal 2 is probably one of the only games yeah. I would ever give a rating of a 10 out of 10, mm. I think. It's one of those very, very few games. So I just want to... Definitely just want to throw my two Yeah, you know, it's hard to argue that, and considering that there's a free co-op campaign, too, just included with it, which is amazing as well. Like, damn. (laughs) You know, like, I give Valve a lot of crap, and they deserve a lot of crap, but uh, they knocked that game out of the park, uh, which makes me angry when I see the the property sitting there doing nothing for years on end, but we will get to that, so... Um, so yeah, and, and Portal and Portal 2 obviously have, you know, some pretty strong community elements to it. You, to this day, uh, I'm sure you're both aware on Steam, and I assume maybe on the console, you can go and play community-designed test chambers. So there's, there's more to enjoy there beyond just the base game if you just purely want to enjoy the, the testing aspect of it. And, uh, who doesn't love testing? Uh, (laughs) indeed. (laughs) Um, and yeah, there's a couple other little side bits. Like I, I've I've played a, I played a standalone demo for Half Life. Uh, of course, that Lost um, Lost Coast was sort of a tech demo. Uh, that one that you mentioned, they, uh, uh, Tony, they integrated a, it. Oh, they did integrate they, it. Yeah, you uh, if you go through Half Life Two now, it will probably be automatically integrated into your game. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. Um, and look, there's a lot of mod stuff out there. In fact, I think there's a mod called Black. Is it is it Black Mesa, the one that takes the game and just updates I the graphics? That, I believe that that is it. Uh, that is for Half Life One. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah. My, my understanding, and I don't know if they ever actually went back and finished it, but when they originally released it, it was basically the first two thirds of the game of the original game in the Source engine, and they were gonna complete the last third. But I don't re- ever recall hearing if they ever actually followed through on that or not. Mm. Yeah, I can't remember if they did. Not. You know what? I, if I ever see that on sale and it is complete, I think I probably would give it a go because uh, I don't know. I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to to picture how dated it would feel. <laughs> you know, <laughs> probably would yeah. feel pretty dated, honestly. Even the source version, which is is uh, rendered, it's not actually the source physics. It's just the way that it's rendered. I mean, I've got it sitting here in my library, and when I look at uh, when I look at the controls. If I look, I'm going to assume that controller support is there. Let me scroll down. Um, I actually can't see controller support. Oh, that might uh, that might be a problem. <laughs> I've kind of <laughs> I've kind of switched to controllers, but I don't know. I I think I'd almost rather watch Jen play the game and see it through uh, new eyes, so so to speak. But um, mm. yeah, look, I, I've got a lot of uh, I ha- I have a lot of love for the series and. It's very rare that you see a sort of a side game almost manage to upstage <laughs> the, the other the game yeah. <laughs> in a way. Uh. But when you think about pop culture, I mean, I dare say Portal has almost managed to have more reach than Half-Life has. You know, like uh, it's it's kind of amazing how that happened. Um, I'm, I'm sure the fact that it's a G-rated probably has something to do with it. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
pretty amazing. Um, and now we get to <laughs> the melancholy part of the Half-Life discussion where we lament the fact that Valve... Well, actually, I'll, I'll cover one thing first. And, and G-Man, thank you for bringing this up because this is something that's lost on a lot of people in, in a day These time days. where Steam is just this ubiquitous thing. Back in the day, a lot of people don't realize this, but the first time I ever downloaded Steam, Steam, all it was was a delivery system for updates for Half-Life. Yeah. That's all yep. it was. <laughs> and that's all I thought it was. And then suddenly I woke up one day and Steam was a storefront. <laughs> and I, well, I my understanding was that the only way to get Half-Life 2 when it first came out for PC was through was, Steam. Was and like people Steam. weren't actually yeah. very happy with that. It, it, yeah, I had it on disc, but you had to download Steam and, and install it. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I didn't yeah. really get it. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I I, re I remember cuz this is a uh... This is back very, very long time ago, uh, but I remember having a really shit internet connection because I live in a very, I wouldn't, it's a kind of a shit part of, Eng of the United Kingdom, so my internet connection was maybe 200 kilobytes a second, <laughs> oh. and they were, ask they were asking me to download this 8 or 9 gigabyte game, and I was like, this is going to yeah. take me a fucking It was week. a what huge the... game for the time. Absolutely massive <laughs> game. It was on a DVD. Do you, I, I, do you know how few games I actually got that were on DVDs? Like, I, I feel like it went from CD to DVD for like five minutes and then jumped right to digital <laughs> somewhere in there. Yeah, because um, what I remember right at the end is uh, this was even more annoying, by the way, because the Internet wasn't consistent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel your pain. Uh, but yeah, and then, you know, of course, Steam today is a, is a totally different animal, and it certainly isn't limited to Valve. In fact, so little of the content that I have on it has anything to do with Valve, and probably ever will, to be honest. Uh, but yeah, interesting for people that don't that don't realize that. It, it, at one point, was just a delivery system for these games. I can remember back when all I had on Steam was Half-Life, and various uh -huh. expansions, and that was it. <laughs> and I think I think the first game I ever bought on it, apart from that, might have been Bionic Commando or something like that, the remake. Uh, and yeah, of course, uh, that's the rest is history, as I now own almost every <laughs> PC title I have on Steam. Yeah. But uh, yeah, needless to say, uh, you know, St Valve went from being the company that made uh, Half-Life and and Portal to and you know Left 4 Dead and games like that to now where you know Steam is what people know it the most for. Which brings us to yeah. the next topic of discussion, which is um, you know are we ever going to get any more content? Um, so Half-Life Episode Three, uh, you know obviously Episode Two, Episode Three um, died on the vine long ago. People. Uh, it's gotten to the point where it's practically a meme, Half-Life 3. Uh, very recently, yeah. uh, the series writer Mark Laidlaw, uh, I don't know if leaked is the right word, but revealed some info in sort of a surreptitious way that indicated he, um, the story outline he, for 3, or at least a partial outline. To, to, to avoid getting sued, to be clear, the copy on his website, uh, while it is entirely clear, given the context of who he is and his story credentials, yeah. what he's talking about, it is completely um, obfuscated so that it doesn't directly reference... No names the... or anything, yeah. Uh, no, it has names, but they're like Fremen and uh, intergalactic blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and it's, it's really obvious if you know what you're looking at, but then... It's a, but you'd have to spend the time translating it. Yeah. Well, 
before I ask if either of you could bullet point me that, because I purposely didn't read it because it just made me angry when I heard about it. Is there, in addition to that sort of leaked information, is there any is there any insight from Mr. Mark Laidlaw about why it didn't get made, or is that really not the point of what he posted? I know. So in the post, it's, yeah. So in the post itself, no. But I have like I've looked further into it, and again, the the post itself is just about you know the story story yeah. right but i've seen him come out and say or him do like interviews with certain other companies um and say that you know after like during the production of episode two and into three like the the team just changed completely like a lot of people were leaving like it, it wasn't the same team anymore um mm. you know everybody was moving to different products steam um dota other you know it was just they were moving people away from that franchise um, that was basically all that we can get out of it. Yeah. Um, is understanding of it. Yeah. It's frustrating. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a very successful series as is portal. And yet it does not appear that there is any interest from valve in developing games, period, um, much less these two. Some of what I've heard, uh, is that one of the reasons here that this might've happened is because of the internal, architecture of how steam is because steam has a very unusually flat architecture rather than a very tall architect um this is the internal command structure you know like yeah no i i understand i i'm i'm wondering though there you've got the um man himself or as some people call the fat the fat bastard uh oh is there issues? No, no, I, I thought that. No. Um, sorry. Oh, no, I make a comment, sorry. <laughs> no, sorry, I wasn't sure there. No, but basically, um, the point was is that um, apart from Gabe Newell, there's no real bosses, and projects are determined, apparently anyway, based on interest, and there just never was enough interest internally, which I think might link up with what you were uh, saying, Tony, is that as more and more people came in because of steam, you know, to work on the steam arc, the systems, the architecture there, the support systems and all the stuff. And maybe the, you know, working on Dota and stuff, the people who might've wanted to do, you know, like more portal or more half-life kind of, they lost the ability, the power to gain resources for that sort of stuff, or maybe they just lost interest and kind of just wandered off and eventually, you know, it it never got officially cancelled, but the interest just isn't there internally. Yeah, it seems kind of weird, you know, like they, like, why not just sell it off or something? You know, if Valve's not going to be a dev anymore and they don't seem really interested in making games, they just want to make money, which is, of course, the joke, uh, then, you know, yeah, fair enough. They could probably make more money just tinkering with Steam endlessly and never doing anything else for all these projects I keep hearing they work on. But uh, you know, why not spin it off? Why not let someone else have a crack on it? You know, there there's there's two franchises here that are going to make money. <laughs> if you release a Half-Life 3, you release a Portal 3, they're going to sell well just on reputation alone. Um even if they end up being disappointing, someone's going to get at least one more kick at the can. So yeah, I've never quite understood the attitude there. Um, I kind of get that, that they've moved on, etc. But, you know, there's been so many other series that we can name that have, you know, seemingly died on the vine and and, and came back years later, either, you know, reborn under a new company or a oh. new team. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, why not this one? I don't know. Um, anything of uh, anything notable, Tony, out of the story summary that you read that really jumped out at you worth mentioning? Yeah. Uh, one other thing, though, before I go back to that. Um, sure. <clears throat> I did want to bring up as far as, you know, it not happening anymore, as far as like a, a Half-Life episode three or Half-Life three in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that this story was ever uh, corroborated. Uh, it may have been more or less just a rumor, but there was a story going around a while ago, like right after Mass Effect 3 released it, because of the whole kerfuffle that happened with that ending, um, that you know Valve was scared to release something so hyped that they couldn't deliver on it, no matter how hard they tried. Um, I, again, I don't know if that's true or not. I mean, I, I can kind of see where they're coming from, if that was legit. If that is true, that's pathetic. That... <laughs> no, it, that, that, sound, that sounds like uh, bullshit to me. It sounds like um, an excuse, excuse more, for right. mass, more for Mass Effect defending Mass Effect Three than an explanation <laughs> for um, yeah. for uh, Fallout um, Fallout Half Life uh, Three not coming out. Uh, seeing as there are far more sensible uh, sensible ideas, simply just that Steam lost interest in well, Steam I say Valve lost interest yeah. in in this in the product rather than it being an issue of. Yeah. It almost seems like, you know, it's, it's the fan community and the modding community. They're the only ones that give a crap about the, those uh, sort of fallow IPs now, but, uh, right. Such is the way of valve. Um, so yeah, either of you, um, have any, uh, you know, I, per- as I said, I purposely didn't read it, but, uh, I mean, G man, any interesting bullet points, uh, that y- you can think of story wise. <laughs> Um, it's sort of setting it up for the end of uh, Freeman's story. Mm-hmm. Freeman's story kind of ends where he gets put, uh, chucked forward a couple of about twenty or twenty to fifty years into the future. Oh. So everyone he knows is dead at that point. He's still the same, about the same age, because um, they're screwing around with time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Alex Vance gets kidnapped by the G-Man right at the end, so that's sort kidnapped of set. Wrong word though, the way that that was it was worded though. Hmm. Well, it, it's not a, it's, it's not, yeah, but it, you don't get a choice. He's the G-Man. Well, he will well, take, he will take you wherever, if you want to go well, or not. Right. Well, the way I read that and people interpreted it was that, you know, the G-Man appears to Alex and like they greet like they've known each other for a while. And she just willingly goes with him um, is the way I interpreted it. But it is a little unclear. But it, it either way, she does get taken. I just I don't know that I personally would use kidnapped. But regardless. Yeah. Yeah. Anything that jumped out at you, Tony, or anything that uh, you would yeah. have liked to have seen? This is... Yes, absolutely. Gameplay wise, this is where my mind went nuts and where I kind of really got angry that we never got this because so I don't know if you guys know this, but there is an Easter egg in Portal 2 uh, where you can see the um, the dock for uh, the Aurora Borealis, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, which is a ship they reference in uh, episodes one and two, I believe, and what was supposed to be the focus of episode three. Yes, Um, yes. So, yeah, so the thing is, is the story behind that, and I think what they actually explain, or what uh, Laidlaw explains in his his little send-off letter, um, is that the uh, Borealis had all of uh, Aperture's technology in it. So I'm assuming yeah. that would include the portal gun, all the goo, like all of that stuff. Oh, wow. Uh, 
Oh, it had awesome. the it had the creme de la creme of their teleportation technology. Huh. Was uh, basically right, that, so... that uh, because it, the con the you got to remember the context for t- wanting to find the borealis was that they needed a way to attack or defend themselves from the combine and the but the combine are an interdimensional empire, mm-hmm. you know they they don't have a way of getting where they need to get. But the Borealis potentially offers that ability, and that's why they were hunting it, because hunting it down, because it had the creme de la creme of their teleportation technology, which was any teleportation to any point uh, for almost no cost, basically. Right. So, so anyway, so basically, episode three, or the way it was supposed to begin, is you know, there, uh, Alex and uh, Freeman are on a helicopter to, I think it's Antarctica or somewhere, you know, in one of the polar yeah, regions. Yeah, somewhere. Uh, track down, uh, and they get shot down, and they have to find it. Um, and how it's held is kind of weird too. It's like held in a, a stance in between time and space, so it like keeps fading in and out of time. Um, it's it's an interesting concept. I would have liked to have seen that visually. But I mean, for the gameplay implications, if you once you, you know, you get the the script is that you get to the ship, you get it and more or less. Or I think actually what they do is they they get the ship and I think ram it into some combine structure um, to basically blow it up, if I remember correctly reading it. Um, but the, the thing is, is for the gameplay implications is that all of that technology is now with Freeman, with the player. Oh, awesome. So yeah. this is where my mind went nuts. Like, I just want to have a portal gun in half. <laughs> Could you imagine instead of. You're well on health, right? And you don't have any cover, and you're just surrounded. All, so what do you do? You shoot a portal like right in front of you, and then behind the enemy, so you can get away from you know fire, and then basically you just be behind them, shooting down on them. <laughs> like just the, the gameplay implications of just having that portal gun in Half Life would have been yeah insane. It would have made the game so much more immensely fun. And that like my mind just went wild thinking about that. Yeah, just being able to have the portal gun in Half Life like that. That would have been probably one of the most fun experiences I think I could ever have. If they obviously if they did it right, I'm assuming they would. Yeah, yeah, that would have been a cool sequence, even if it was just sort of a part of the game as opposed to the whole thing. Um, I mean, obviously uh, the game, the game uh, is the games both both did a pretty good job of you know introducing tech to you along the way, like the gravity gun, for example. The first time you picked that up, that was pretty fun. But yeah, that would have been uh, quite a payoff. <laughs> um, well, yeah, for me, um, for me, I think just to chime in, the best part of it was because it wasn't uh, in a fixed point in time and space or between space. It was literally stretched between the current point and the start of the combine invasion. So at various different points, you would see various different parts of the you would see the actual combine invasion and them getting closer and closer to the uh, borealis on the ship dock as well as like the uh, tundra and various other different parts of the um well the metaverse really right so it would just get weird it would get this weird and weirder and weirder stuff but it would potentially allow you to see what happened during the first during the seven hour war basically yeah yeah well um well i might i might finish off with two questions um one just a quick do you think we're going to see any more 
of either Portal or Half-Life, <laughs> and also what your sort of favorite moment was uh, for the series as a whole, if one sort of stands out to you. Uh, Tony, how about you? If you can um, name one. <laughs> real, yeah, so as far as there ever being more content, unfortunately, no. I think Valve is done being a software company. I, I think they're done, um, as far as producing their own. And it's it's really sad, but it's 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 been, what, 10 years since Episode 2 came out, so... Oh. It's it's dead. I don't think there's any hope of a Valve um, created sequel or any other kind of additional content. Now, what is interesting is, and I don't I don't see Valve necessarily pulling the plug on this, but I think there's a um, what do you call it a game jam um, in somewhere in Europe right now. I think where they're actually trying to build the levels based on Laidwa's concepts <laughs> or his storyline. Wow. Whether that comes whether anything comes from that, I don't know. It'd be interesting, but again, yeah, as far as any Valve produced software? No, maybe they'll get smart and sell it to somebody that'll take care of it. Maybe, but again, Valve producing uh, Portal Three, Episode Three, Half Life Three. No, I that's done. It's dead in the water. Yeah. Um, as far as a, a standout moment, if I mean again, like you said, it, it, Portal kind of really stepped. It eclipsed Half Life in my opinion. So if it if it was the entire universe, it would definitely be a Portal moment. Um, <laughs> I think it would. Probably be you know something related to Glados, like her being reintroduced in the second game, um, was a real standout moment just from a story perspective. Um, otherwise, just the, the entire concept of the Portal games themselves, um, you know, just being introduced to the Portal gun would be my favorite. As far if I had to narrow it down to just Half Life, um, that's a tough one. I mean, like I said, the, I, I didn't understand the gravity of those games when I was first playing them. So it's kind of hard to remember back on something that really stood out. Cause it was just a fun experience. Mm. I think the most fun I ever had in that game was what you mentioned earlier was a uh, Raven home in, uh, in the original uh, half-life two, yeah. just because it was just such a different atmosphere from the rest of the game. Yeah. Um, crazy. How about you, G man? Uh, any, what do you think your chances are of any more content and uh, what would be your sort of standout uh, series moment? Um, for me, it's uh, the first question is kind of a dual part answer. I don't think we'll ever see any more Fallout. Um, sorry, I keep saying that, <laughs> which probably tells you what I think about the chances of <laughs> of any more of that coming out. Really, uh, is that I don't think there's a. I don't want to say no, never, but I don't think there is a hope in hell of there ever being any content more for uh, Half Life. I think. Valve is done with that. They're done and dusted. They have no interest in that. I'm a little more hopeful for Portal 3, uh, but just primarily because it's completely different, that there are more opportunities there, you know, if you want to go a bit mad or a bit crazy. And given that it was originally created by, like, a small group of people... Well, maybe if they took it back to that, back to its roots, you could have it be a small group of people again. Um, for my favorite moment, if it's not going to be Raven Home, then it would have to be in episode uh, one when you get the super gravity gun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you can launch yourself around with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, more importantly, you turn the enemies into your projectiles. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. And Jeff, before we get to your moments or and what your your answers on those two questions, I did want to ask actually as, as far as you know, with G Man saying he's hopeful for a Portal Three, like I, I'm with him. I think that's that's definitely more realistic than a Half Life Three or an Episode Three. 
But I mean, do you guys know what they never actually explicitly state when either Portal 1 or 2 actually take place, right? There's no timeline. There's no I have to um, assume that Portal that, 1 and 2 take place after Half-Life 1 but before Half-Life 2. I'm guessing though, obviously. I mean, when Chell gets woken up in the second game, like it's obvious a fair amount of time has passed, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm inclined to say that um the, that the games take place um, definitely definitely the first one takes place uh, between I would say just after the seven hours war because there is, does seem to be an element of no one's no one's really no, here but, right no one's really here but there's a shit ton of uh, there isn't a shit ton of over of over you know of uh, forestation or uh, over, de- right, yeah overgrowth so it seems to be fairly recent you know i'd place that inside of a couple of months of the seven hour war yeah um but the second one i would definitely be more inclined to say that that if if that isn't happening at the same time as half-life 2 is happening then it's happening after or just before right right so i think that yeah if timeline wise if, if they're trying to canonically make portal 3 work i mean i think they could definitely do it because they haven't explicitly stated when these games happen so it's definitely realistic and i think canonically it could make it work but again i'm just a cynic i don't think it's ever gonna happen yeah yeah but what about you well i have to agree with you too i think there's a much better chance of portal 3 even though when i think of it well for a number number of reasons one because it is a puzzle game and the and the story can be fairly small and self-contained and driven around the puzzles, but then I think, well, Chell gets kicked out at the end of two. So, how does that happen? Yeah, you know? but unless she stumbles across a new testing facility or something, I I don't know. Anything could happen. You've seen what you've seen what that looks like. It doesn't look like the world of. Well, it doesn't look like the world of Half Life. Yeah, because that looks far too nice. Uh, yeah, I I I. I think there's a much better chance of Portal 3. Um, Half-Life 3, I think, at this point, the ship has sailed. Valve's just <clears throat> not interested in the franchise. No. And, uh, I mean, I'm I'm never going to forgive them for it, but I don't think that much accounts for much, really. <laughs> um, as for my favorite moments, um, honestly, just when I think of how much of a, like, oh, my God, I didn't realize this is the game I was playing sort of moment... The first time in Half-Life 1 when you encounter the Marines and you realize that they're there to wipe you out, they like like literally start kicking the doors in and the squad busts in and to, and you know, you're there with your mm. that that's like a oh my god moment when they're not here to save you. Yeah, you know, hits. like I had I had thought that this right. was going to be me against this like alien menace. I did not expect to be fighting against fully armed soldiers with automatic weapons and shotguns and stuff. So wiping out that first squad of six or whatever and, and having you know to deal with the shock of realizing I was fighting against intelligent enemies that were talking about me and the way they reacted to getting mowed down and like, you know, we can't stop them and that sort of stuff. That was like, oh, my God, like uh, and, I, you know, I'd, e- I'd even absorb some of the marking material and I still didn't really see that twist coming. I, I was quite surprised. Um, and, you know 
later later on they're they're just at the tip of the iceberg you know you get the the black ops guys and stuff coming in too it it uh it gets even more interesting um probably a close second would be uh when you find the uh gra- when you find the portal again for the first time in two and it's like sort of there on that pedestal waiting for you as you come up from below <laughs> that's sort of an epic moment it's like yeah i'm back in the saddle um well thanks guys um i uh I had a feeling we were going to more or less agree on that on that final point, but what are you going to yeah. do? Uh, I I, th- I think we had to do this one to put this uh, series to bed, so to speak. Um, I whether or not I'll go back and uh, and do as you do, Tony, and try and enjoy the content again. Maybe, maybe not. Um, we'll see. I I am certainly interested to hear about people trying to remaster and stuff, and that Black Mesa mod or whatever you want to call it definitely sounds interesting but um we shall see uh the, ah, it's always going to be a little bit bittersweet best... for me the half-life series now yeah if you want the best evidence um of why they don't give a shit it's because they're not suing the ever-loving hell out of suing the ever-loving hell or claiming their work for all of these various modders trying to do this stuff. it's kind of telling right. isn't it yeah it's kind of telling. They uh, they really don't seem to care <laughs> that people are using their storefront to sell stuff that's built in their playground. So interesting. Yeah. Um, thanks, guys. Uh, as I mentioned up at the top, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at uh, uh, Enthusiax if you want to keep up to speed with what's going on with us. Uh, our YouTube channels where all our video content and Let's Play resides. I uh, I seem to recall that uh, Axelon has started. Uh, a playthrough recently. I, I've forgotten what it is, but it's a it's a game that's. Then it was played. Oh, that's right. Yes, <laughs> that's just. Started. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, uh, Senua's, Senua's blade. blade. If I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce ah. it, but uh, yeah, that's definitely the one. Um, you can uh, join us uh, on our, our forums up in the right hand corner of enthusiasts.com. You can uh, join the forums there and uh, join in the discussion. Uh, our email address for this uh, podcast is pointstreak at enthusiasts.com if you have any questions or feedback or suggestions for show ideas thanks again to my guests uh, tony and g-man thank you for listening and join us again in future on another episode of point streak thank you guys see you next time bye